Picture this. It's blazing hot outside and you need to head to work. You get into your car and turn on the AC to get the cold air pumping as soon as possible, but it doesn't work. Instead, blowing hot air out of your vents and directly into your face. No, your car doesn't hate you. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the air conditioning system, and there's an easy all-in-one solution that will restore your cold air in no time. There's no need to go to the shop and pay lots of money when you can save time and money recharging yourself with AC Pro Recharge Kits. AC Pro Recharge Kits make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience. And the AC Pro app offers clear, vehicle-specific instructions to help you get the job done in less than 10 minutes. So pick up an AC Pro Recharge Kit at any store selling auto products and confidently restore your car's cold air yourself today. Be a pro with AC Pro. The Dale Jr. Download is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. You going to any concerts this summer, man? I am. I'm seeing a concert in June. Hardy and Kit Moore. Love Hardy. In uh, Charlotte. I was so stressed getting the tickets. I'm going to be front row. I'm, I'm in the pit. When these tickets go out, man, I am online as soon as tickets open. I don't want to miss a thing. Yeah, you, you know, you got to act quick. Yes. And when you want the best, you have to act quickly or someone else will get it instead. It's like if you're hiring for a business, you want to find the most talented people for your open roles before the competition scoops them up. Mm. So what's the best way to do that? ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter finds qualified candidates fast, and right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Dale Jr. ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology takes center stage to identify top talent for your roles. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's smart technology starts showing you qualified people for it. Amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash Dale Jr. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash Dale Jr. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. The following is a production of Dirty Mo Media. Welcome to the Dell Jr. Download. It is yours truly, Kelly Earnhardt Miller. This is actually a little bit uh, different segment, the business of motorsports. This is something that I have I've wanted to do with you for a long time. Do business-related podcasts. Do business-related episodes. Open chats, right? Open yeah. chats about the business concerns of our industry, which there are many. I hope this um, series opens people up to the, the broader, bigger picture. Okay, welcome back to the Bojangle Studio. I'm Kelly Miller, and I'm here with our Business of Motorsports series. And excited today for part two. We had a great conversation with Joe Mattis Um in part one of this episode, we knew that uh, we probably would need more time. We did need more time. And so lucky for you guys and lucky for us, we're here for a second part of this conversation and super excited about it. Um, so yeah, let's jump in. Let's jump in with our ally guest today again, Mr. Joe Mattis. Thank you, Joe, for coming to the Bojangle studio. I, I, uh, usually we don't have somebody come back twice in a row, but <laughs> you were so good the first time. Walk downstairs. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, Kelly, as a quick recapper, 
this guy has a huge history in the game and, and with your dad. And you, you were an employee for Joe. He hired you. Wow. The boom of the licensing industry is what we talked about in the last episode. And Joe was such an integral part to it. But then where we left off, I believe, was Joe and your dad parted ways. Joe didn't take it personal the first time. He did the second time. He started running. I didn't know that about Joe, no. did you? Like running like Forrest Gump running, folks. Yeah, yeah. Who knew that, <laughs> right? And then um, then Joe is going to end up going to the NASCAR.com Superstore, which, by the way, was also massive. So that's where we left off, right? Yeah. yeah. correct. All right. Yeah, so let's jump in. Um, uh it, just a fascinating story. I was I, I learned a lot in part one myself. I mean, I was alongside uh, a lot of it working for you, so um, it was really fascinating. So I'm ready to jump in this this section. This part two, I'm going to know all too well, and uh, the tables get turned, and I get to hire Joe Mattis, which is really cool. Yeah, true. <laughs> so yeah, so let's uh, so we we superstore NASCAR.com it for for about six seven years there, and um, I was trying to think uh, uh, as we. Ended the first episode and, and, you know, went home and slept on it kind of thing. Um, about, I have a terrible memory remembering stuff. So so I want you to talk about the, the introduction of me calling you, me getting in touch with you. And I'll set this up. We were, you know, embarking on a change from Dell & Hart Incorporated. Dell & Hart Incorporated uh, handled every business opportunity for Dell Jr. So whether it was a personal service endorsement, whether it was licensing, uh, whatever it was, um, those all those things were handled by the folks at Dell and Her Incorporated. I had came to work for Dell in 2001, August. I just did what I could to facilitate some of those relationships and go back and forth with the folks at DEI, but it was more difficult and more difficult. And, you know, the stories out there of, of the struggles that we uh, shared there at Dell and Her Incorporated, and then our decision to change teams. And so as we were thinking about this through 2000, really, you know, through 2006 um, and really executing the strategy in 2007, um, you know, I knew when we made the decision to switch teams that Junior Motorsports, as Dale's management company, wanted to handle all things related to Dale. We did not want those things in the hands of the team. And and it was typical, depending on the way people did it, right? Jeff mm -hmm. Gordon, um, you know, handled a lot of his own things, but then you had Dale and Hart Incorporated who handled all those things for the drivers, so whether it was the PSAs and licensing and so. So I knew, I wrote a three-page document, you know, during that time period of all the things I wanted to control as it related to Dale moving into a new role with a, with a new team. And licensing was still a really part of, big part of our business. And so Joe was the first and only person on my radar from that standpoint, so... I'm letting yeah. you take it from here. No. <laughs> so I'm working with Turner Sports, and I'm working in Concord, and I have this little office, and I have a signed world headquarters, and I'm having fun. And, um, and it was a good job. It was a fun job. And Kelly calls me, and it was fall. It was like August yeah. of 06. She said, how are you doing, Madison? I, I, Hello, Kelly, but it's not like we talked Yeah, we didn't keep in yeah, touch, right? Yeah. She said, I'm looking for a person, vice president of licensing, we're, we're possibly considering this. Do you know anyone? I said, if I think <laughs> of anyone, I'll get back to you. And I really didn't. And then she called me again. Um, hey, I, have you had time to think about this? And um, you got anything? And I'm like, no, I'm happy. 
I'm really happy with Turner Sports. And, uh, and and you kind of already had this conversation with one Earnhardt. <laughs> yeah, 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 right, yeah. That didn't go too well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You kind of put a bumper on me the, the last call, and she says, Mattis, I'm talking about you. And you were sick. I mean, yes, I, I went, was sick. I went to yes. the hospital for yep. the interview. You did. So we, we talked about that in the intro uh, um, of the first episode. So I was uh, in the midst of it. You know, the end of 2007, Tony Jr. and Dale and I were running around to, you know, Joe Gibbs Racing and RCR and, and Hendrick Motorsports and, and having these conversations. And I was having a lot of back pain and trouble and whatnot. And so one night after, I think it was after we left Hendrick Motorsports, I dropped Tony Jr. off at his home in Mooresville and I just doubled over and I called my family and was like, I'm going to the hospital, meet me there. Um, so that was sometime in December because I ended up in the, or January, I ended up in the hospital in January. They thought that I had some sort of cyst on my pancreas. We ended up come March, I was in the hospital getting a tumor removed. Thank goodness it was non-cancerous. But I, I remember, and I said, Presbyterian Hospital, Joe Mattis came to meet me down there. I mean, we were having to rock and roll. I couldn't stop, yeah, yeah. you know. We were um, so, yeah, moving. So we go and she gives the philosophy and I'm, I'm good with it. And I just want insurance which I, I didn't care where they're going. Are you yeah. for sure leaving DEI? Yeah. And that's the only thing I really cared about because I, I didn't want to go back into it again. Um, so, <laughs> Kelly. <laughs> if they were not leaving DEI, you were going to say not interested. Turner Sports was good. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I don't blame you there. <laughs> yeah. And um, so she said, yeah, we're ready to go, and here's the plan, and we want to go now. And I said, well, I got to give some notice, and I was under contract with Turner, and they were good people, and I went and talked to them, um, and I, we, I had to give extended lead time because I was running yeah. NASCAR.com, and yeah. then it was $28 million, and we were rock and rolling. Um, and it was really just myself and another guy. GSI Fanatics now ran the business at a King Prush, but we managed it at a Concord. And, and it's kicking off the season, so I had to just give him proper time. But then um, I came here in April – and I needed him for proper time as well, yeah. right? So we had to set yeah. up licensing for yeah. the 2008 year. Yeah. yeah. And, so, and, and stop real quick. How big is the, the $28 million? Like, give us an idea of how big the Dell Jr. business is at this point in the merch game. Like, I need to know what she's asking you to do and, oh. how, and, and what the implications of it, even leaving NASCAR.com would be from a Dell Jr. standpoint. Does that make sense? It's yeah. easily, easily 40% of the entire – Hundred million dollar universe, every yeah. bit of it. So she's not asking you to come up and try yeah. to start up a, a, a licensing. No, for no, a no I, name. I, I you, know. You uh, got the. No, she's asking he, you to come run the licensing of the the biggest piece of that twenty eight million that you have. Well, that, that's just e commerce for me. The yeah. big, oh, that's big, right. That, no, that's, right. that's only bucket. Dale's whole bucket. Um, later, we'll talk about how we got there and, and the number we did is phenomenal. Okay. And so I came here April one. I still worked at Turner till June 30th. I just moved World Headquarters up to my office where I am. <laughs> so all along, I'm, I'm running NASCAR.com, and, and we're planning, uh, preparing. And to make this announcement, and Kelly's getting closer, and then you decide on Mr. Hendrick and, you know, decide on AMP and National Guard, and, and then we start planning. And I'm literally going out. And, and the more planning I'm doing here to get Dale Jr.'s big announcement ready, it's helping NASCAR.com. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be their biggest day ever, <laughs> too, as well. It's going to be everyone's biggest day. So we were really, really ahead of the game. 
I mean, and, and Hendrick had the paint schemes and the sponsors were ahead of the game. And when we announced, was it September? You announced it? Yeah. Or when I, was it? We announced in May that we were leaving. Leaving, yeah. I'm and trying then to I thought that. it was late June yeah. that it, we, about a month later, okay. that we announced that. And this then is, in August is when we announced to the world the sponsors, okay. yeah, the everything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like in June, we didn't have the sponsorship lined up and all that yeah. at that point. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So, and to be clear, I mean, this we, we kind of go through this timeline pretty quickly. But the fact of the matter is, because this also was my first yes, year with exactly. you guys. So Joe and I came at about the same time. But... We, we did announce that we were leaving DEI, I want to say April, May. Yeah. And that was a, I mean, that had ripple effects all over the place, right? That was huge news. We did the press conference right here at Junior Motorsports. The next month and a half, we were basically secret about the conversations. We knew that the only real meaningful conversations were happening with Rick Hendrick. You and Dale went to Joe Gibbs. Those stories yeah. are well documented. Everybody assumes he's going to go to RCR. Yeah. But then I remember in the weeks leading up, and Joe, this is going to come back to you here. Uh, nobody knew where we were going. In fact, I remember Jeff Hammond saying on the Fox pre-race show, like the week before or maybe a few days before we were going to announce where Dale was going, they had him going to Gibbs with like Visa or MasterCard or something as a sponsor. And we kind of chuckled about that. And then another report came out, I think, either through Yahoo or something, where it says, no, no, Dale Jr.'s going to start his own cup team. And Martin Truex is coming yeah. over here to run yeah. with Dale. And so we and so all these reports were coming out just hours and days before our announcement. So it was well preserved. My point on this would be you're having to or my, I guess, Joe, my question to you is, did you know where Dale was going at that point? I mean, Kelly kept me up to speed, and where we can, we gather as much information. No one going to Hendrick's good. No one is 88. You can build licensing programs around that, and then you add in the sponsors. So we were building, and we were preparing for the breadth of product to go out when we made the announcement. When, I can't imagine exactly when I knew um, – but it, it was timing enough because we went and um, and here in Concord, I burned screens and uh, everyone wanted to know where he's going. And I had people printing in all over different places of the country. And that morning, that night, I FedExed out and I just said, get your presses ready. Have a green shirt, have a, a, a white shirt, black shirt. Um, here's I'll be sending you screens for these in the morning. And they said, what is it? I said, you'll get them in the morning. <laughs> I mean, we didn't want anyone to know about it. And um, when they got there in the morning, um, the announcement's coming at 9 or 10, they open up the box and they start printing because we wanted to immediately yeah. ship yeah. as many places. The goal was, and it goes back to our philosophy, we cast a real wide net to every e-commerce partner, every retailer that wanted the product. We It was built up and, and certainly – Back to you, who's number one? Dale Jr. was number one. So the demand was there. Now, we had to worry about that number eight Budweiser, too, because it wasn't just building to a new Oh, that's right. He's, still, he's got to finish the he's season. He's still racing. Yeah, right? and, and you end up paying Budweiser a quarter million dollars um, to have the rights to ship product before the end of the year. I mean, so to, to respectfully, it's Budweiser, um, respectfully, you know, you have this contract. And you can't just go out. Now, if you go out with the 888 Hendrick, fine, but with the sponsors and all that. So you, you look at your forecast and, you know, is it worth a quarter million? Is well worth a quarter million. 
um, but you still had to negotiate with mm-hmm. Budweiser and, and prepay quarter million dollars. Yeah. On the same token with that, you know, just thinking through, thank goodness, you know, the the means of information like we have today were not available, you know, not uh, sizable in 2007 and eight in terms of social media and, and all of those things. Because in the same breath, we, um, we kept so much undercover, we even had to figure out the number, which number. We worked with Yates, you know, in terms of getting the 88. I mean, you know, it was some very um, thoughtful conversation, thoughtful discussions and conversations um, internally on how we transferred everything to the Hendrick Motorsports in preserving the legacy of the car numbers and, and what we had built from an Earnhardt standpoint, you know, so, so getting that number, you know, which we, we ended up, um, you know, purchasing from, from the eight. To your point, everybody up to the last minute had different guesses, (laughs) but so much work went and all the touch points. And there was only a certain amount of people. I licensed and there was only a certain amount of people. Like I, I trust this with your life. And I, and I went to those, um, and and because you can't do it on your own, you have to execute a program of that magnitude, and and truly have shock and awe. You're going to have to trust somebody. I think that's what I want the listener to really understand is that something of this magnitude, and the and you to have a prepared licensing game and a merch ready to go. It is unthinkable that the secret was preserved or it, the yes. announcement was preserved. Yeah. I mean, everybody kind of knows that, you know. Leaks usually happen when you're sharing paint schemes with a, you know, die cast manufacturer. So they, you know, that's how Jayski used to always get the announcements and the rumors and things. And I just, uh, something of this scale, people were literally in the dark on and you were made the mechanism, the machine that was the merch, the Dale Jr. merch was able to operate under some cloak of secrecy and that one person some distributor and who knows where some some printer or whatever one person leaking that out unravels the whole thing yeah well the credibility comes back to in 95 I, when i ran dale's company and i built rapports and then even even all the way through with nascar.com superstore you built you built trust and you know who you can line up on the line of scrimmage with and you don't have to look left or right mm. and you also know who you don't trust more importantly, you you know, your your handful, you know, you get past your five fingers, the trust level goes down. So I had to lean on those partners, and um, and, and and even till today, we in in April twenty ninth, two ten, we ran the Wrangler car, yeah. another shock and awe. Well, and we, yeah, we, I mean, there's times we've done things that has always been, um, you know, the right way. The, and, 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 and when, when we announce it, the merchandise is there, and we're ready to go. But you guys would recall this. There, there actually was uh, anxiety behind this announcement, certainly leaving DEI. I'm curious if you had the same anxiety that we had, because I know that Dale Jr. leaving the family business, is we weren't sure how his fans were going to react to that, and we certainly didn't know – if the reception to him going to Hendrick, Hendrick. Motorsports, <laughs> the team of Jeff Gordon, Jimmy Johnson, basically the evil empire, the ones that we go fight and race against every week, you know, they're they they're not Dell Jr. They're they're starch. They're 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 polished. We're jeans and t-shirts. And so 
Was there a concern from the merchandising uh, industry in your lane of could this backfire? Could all of the things that have been built up since 2000 when he was a rookie unravel just by this announcement? The power of the Earnhardt brand and the history behind it and the licensees and the retailers, the need to believe because he's leaving Budweiser and he's leaving DEI and, and the need to have Dale still be a vital part of the sport because without him, it's just a big hole. And I think it was, um, yeah, I'm sure there was anxiety. I sold it as this is going to be big. I mean, that's my job. <laughs> I mean, and you better get in line. And if you don't, you're going you're gonna to miss an opportunity to get healthy. A lot of times the industry goes up and down. And when we did these big things, you're helping the whole industry. Yeah, are we the benefactor of helping people get healthy? That's okay. You, you want the industry to be healthy. And we sold it in as we all need this and we all need to work. And if you don't get in front and you don't prepare for it, you don't put your orders in now, you're going you're gonna to regret it. And the power of that Earnhardt brand, um, you know, hope's not a strategy. Hope was a strategy for a lot of, <laughs> for a lot of people there. Uh, but I'm sure there was anxiety. I, don't, I look back on it. I mean, I'm like, this is perfect. This is, you know, this is the, the big juice. This is the big game. And, and you're just t- having conversations and you're lining things up. And every day you can't wait to go do more. You know, how big is this going to be? And how big it ended up being, we went back and we're talking to Kelly up front. What are our goals and our objectives? Who, who we gonna, now that we're taking over and, and we are going to, you know, Dewey Motorsports Licensing is going to go out and build a better mousetrap and, and be the leader of the industry. What are some of our goals and what are some of our ambitions? One of them we wrote on the top was we're going to um, um, give contracts out and not burden people with guarantees that aren't attainable. The whole problem with motorsports authentics and action performances, they they overestimated what they could produce, and, and they had massive unpaid minimum guarantees. And, and, and to try to make payment on them, you just build product hoping someone buys them, then you have excess inventory, and then you have unpaid guarantees, and you lose money on inventory, and, and your balance sheet looks disastrous. So goal one was, um, well, top three was, you know, find partners, forecast what's fair and have them build a product and have them get behind it. So when I got done that year, we get back into the end of the year, in 2008, what was the big hit you asked about after um, the Olympic car? There was $20 million of guarantees that year. That is phenomenal. That is, yeah, significant. That that was a big, big, and and like think about the people who paid it, and 96% of the money we received was earned. So I didn't hit my 100%, but we were close. So we were fair. It's good to be fair. And, and everyone had a bite. And if implicitly you take the guarantee, everyone who paid me the guarantee and based on their royalty rate, that, re, that transferred to $270 million in 2008. In retail. In retail. Wow. <laughs> $270 million. Today. Wow. Today, we sit here in 2023. The entire NASCAR industry, maybe a hundred million. Wow! Yeah, that was the biggest of the big licks. Massive. I'm yeah. gonna, and that was. I, let and let that me was, make sure I'm understanding this right. You're saying that the Dale Jr. announcement, like the 2007 year, and uh, and all that came with it, 
the the new sponsors, AMP, National Guard, the, the T-shirts, the merch that you created with the new 88, new yeah. number, everything. At the end, in 2008, which would have been Dale Jr.'s first season with Hendrick, mm-hmm. when all the financials are coming in the end, uh, and, and your numbers are, are, are you know solid, $270 million program. At, at retail. And that's from sales on January 1 through December 31st. Yeah, so you're talking track side, e-commerce, yeah. mass market. Lionel, you know, retail, yeah, diecast, yeah, Lionel, yeah. all the licensees. That was the last of the big hits. How did that compare to Dale Earnhardt's 95 uh, stuff? I mean, I, I, uh, I... Sorry, Dale Earnhardt Sr., he spanked you. <laughs> wow! Yeah. yeah, he spanked him. Yeah. That's a... Yeah. Dale Jr.'s P1. And if you ever... And if you ever tell someone... If you look at it and that make... Now, over the course of life and, and significance of licensing and sport... Yeah, he might be P2. Yeah, they're pretty close. <laughs> I, I know who P1 and I know who P2 is. Yeah. What were yeah. you thinking, Kelly? This this is amazing. I mean, I can't, I've never heard that number. You know, I um, I was thinking as as you were asking the question of Joe and thinking, you know, one of one of the very important things that's been really important to Joe throughout his career is that licensing always has a seat at the table in terms of the whole business picture of. A, a race team and a race car driver. And I think what went well is that the thought process of those of us thinking through what you said, we're leaving the family company, we're not going to RCR, we're going to Hendrick, our nemesis and competitor. All of those things we thought through really well and the timing of those announcements and the timing of how we did things and the stories, you know, the, the storytelling, which was factual storytelling, you know, I mean, I, you, it probably would have never worked had we not had that um, personal connection with Mr. Hendrick through our grandfather and through those things, right. It probably would have not worked. Um, But the fact that we, you know, were careful in that storytelling, I think really, and that's what Joe needed for licensing to be successful, yeah, right? Exactly. I mean, that's really you what you needed. You had the napkin yeah, contract you, story. Yeah, exactly. You had the Robert G connection. Yes, exactly. And so that this is exactly. as much a family. It's just the maternal side. Exactly. But yeah. it was, I mean, you know, um, for me, because I had been in the business, I'd seen these things and all of that kind of stuff. Um, I mean, I, you know, pleased as could be. But I think the person that was just blown over was Mr. Hendrick himself. Oh. He had never seen that no. kind of power in licensing. You remember what he did to thank us? He he I have, calls I probably he, will after he, you he tell calls me the story. Up, <laughs> he calls up you and he wants to take the team to dinner and he picks oh, yeah. Monica and Wendy and everyone up in the limo and he takes us, I guess, Capitol Grill and he just wanted to meet the people. That were thankful. Which is that's <laughs> yeah. such the character of Mr. Hendrick. Because that check, I mean, it's a butter knife. It was significant. If, 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 if there's a dollar, Mr. H got fifty cents and Dale got fifty cents. Yeah. So they had never seen that impact, you know, from yeah. how licensing impacted the race team well, and the revenue. And it's a testimonial to a couple of things. And there's one thing else I need, and I want to go two points here. I needed time. Yeah. And you and went you out and, and you were going out and, and, and January of 07, and you were Mathai. You talked to me in 96 uh, of this, you know, what your concept was in, yeah, in, in 07. Yep. You know, to do these, yeah, 2006, yeah. not 96 yet. <laughs> um, to do these things, yeah, it, yeah, it's nice. You still need time. And today, we don't, people either make different decisions. Without time, it doesn't work. Right. And, and the second thing is, as you went to Mr. Hendrick, said, hey, we're willing to do this and that, but we want to control our rights. Well, you just, 
validate validate it. Why? Yes. The, the that check is why. Oh, that is so interesting that you say that because it just occurs to me, and I know that this is common knowledge, but it's worth repeating. That was the whole situation at DEI, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. Dale didn't yeah, own absolutely. his rights for the longest time. You were the one fighting behind the scenes. It did become public as Dale Jr. <laughs> you know, started Does, making right. it public. Yeah. But Dale didn't have the rights to his own name. So if he had sold just as much inventory as he did at the Hendrick announcement in that 2007, he doesn't get... a. He doesn't get nearly any uh, uh, the the number that he gets based off of what he would have deserved. Yeah, and I think you know even even further to that is that we had a situation at Hendrick Motorsports that we didn't have at Dell and Hart Incorporated, and which was one of you know the many reasons that we wanted to move along is just that relationship to be fair. What Joe said to be fair to share to you know to to enjoy everything that comes of it together, right? It was very one-sided. And um, not only if you did work out some kind of mechanism where you had some kind of revenue share, sometimes we didn't ever get paid. You know, we went, oh, we went 12 and 18 months on trying to get paid on things and, and so on and so forth. So, you know, the, it was a totally different situation um, and you felt appreciated and valued. And, and uh, I, I, I definitely recall Mr. Hendricks, you know, just elation in terms of, I mean, he just could not believe that yeah, that, that, was awesome. that, that was where we were. That's where we were. Was Mr. Hendrick receptive <laughs> to that idea of you guys owning that yeah, piece absolutely. of it from the beginning like was that even did that require negotiation not at all nope wow and and i you know the the document that um that i you know received help from stoke codwell who um who joe mentioned as well our attorney at the time you know we had worked with stoke through the Dell and hart incorporated days and then you know we sat down and just really went and like i said it was three pages of information it was probably 18 bullet points on there <clears throat> and Mr. Hendrick laughs because, you know, there were some very serious things on there, like controlling our licensing. Um, and then there were some funny things on there, like, I need to take your helicopter to Martinsville, Charlotte, and Darlington, you know. And, and Mr. Hendrick always laughs about that. He's like, you guys came in there, and you had all these things that you wanted to do, and then you needed the helicopter. Like, really? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that was – that, and, and I didn't waver on that. That document was sent to the three teams we talked to. If you want to speak to us about Dale coming to drive here, you need to know that this is what we're asking and this is what we're going to be, you know, requiring as a part of the relationship. And it was really never a, it was never a negotiation point with, with really anybody. Wow. <laughs> I, that was fun. That, you would, you that don't have that fun. kind of leverage these days at all. No. <laughs> yeah. We had a lot of leverage. Yeah. The Dale Jr. Download is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. You going to any concerts this summer, man? I am. I'm seeing a concert in June. Hardy and Kit Moore. Love Hardy. In uh, Charlotte. I was so stressed getting the tickets. I'm going to be front row. I'm, I'm in the pit. When these tickets go out, man, I am online as soon as tickets open. I don't want to miss a thing. Yeah, you, you know, you got to act quick. Yes. And when you want the best, you have to act quickly or someone else will get it instead. It's like if you're hiring for a business, you want to find the most talented people for your open roles before the competition scoops them up. Mm. So what's the best way to do that? ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter finds 
qualified candidates fast, and right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash DaleJr. ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology takes center stage to identify top talent for your roles. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's smart technology starts showing you qualified people for it. Amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash Dale Jr. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash Dale Jr. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. NASCAR history and heritage come alive at the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Celebrate my fellow inductees Donnie Allison, Jimmy Johnson, and Chad Knauss with their class of 2024 artifacts enshrined in the Hall of Honor. Don't miss the Ford Performance Showcase. It's a new inside NASCAR exhibit that showcases the Ford Mustang's next-gen car through its design and innovation. The latest edition of Glory Road explores over 75 years of racing history with its cool 33-degree banking and 19 cars on display on Mondays and Fridays. There's guided tours that take you behind the scenes with incredible stories and access to a NASCAR Hall of Fame insider. Or you can explore the hall at your own pace with the new mobile hub. It's a digital experience. Get behind the wheel of a realistic iRacing simulator. Or you can learn how fast-paced pit stops work with the Pit Crew Challenge. From the legends who shaped the sport to the new heroes earning a spot in the record books, the NASCAR Hall of Fame delivers an unforgettable experience. Book your visit to the hall today at NASCARHall.com. I also remember concern over the fact that what happens when you've got the cool factor of Budweiser, which had been so prominent in Dale's brand evolution from the from the countdown to E-Day, which was his qualifying mm-hmm. for his first yeah. race in 99. Um, Budweiser was synonymous with him. And now AMP is a brand new brand. It is. Like it's, you know, now Pepsi's getting into the energy drink space. And National Guard, while we all love the military, isn't... A, it's not too it's, sexy, it's, it's, right? Well, yeah. it's not a retail yeah. product. Yeah. It's not a... And, and so was there concern, Joe... About that, and yeah. and because I mean I'm sure that even at your NASCAR.com days, the Budweiser relationship to Dale was was so important. There was major concern, and um, I snuck as much Mountain Dew in as I could <laughs> to to Brian because mm. you know. So um, I'd even get in trouble on the trailers, and there was a bunch of trailers. You know, they wanted to see like 45 percent amp and 45 percent. Um, guard, guard, yeah. and, and ten percent do, and I got like thirty-three percent <laughs> do because do sold more. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of concern, but when you're building the brand, the brand is Dale Jr. himself. The brand Dale Jr. and the car owner Hendrick Motorsports. The the brand is Dale and the and the number eighty-eight, and and you look at all your different products and and your coffee cup mug. You don't have to put National Guard on it. You could put 88 Dale Jr. on it. You can sell a whole bunch of coffee cups. Now, your apparel, you know, yeah, you got to worry about that. Your headwear. And, and, and once again, you got to be respectful. You know, um, licensing is a service industry to that sponsor, and we need and we should put their marks out. So you got to, but the fan base doesn't just want sponsor specific product as well. So you put out the appropriate level of product 
in all different trinkets, hard goods, die-cast. Now, die-cast is the brand. That is National Guard. That is. So it's a bland, and it worked. Um, but there was a lot. Budweiser, yeah, there was a lot of concerns of that. Yeah, and I, I, I also think that another aspect of that was, though, that, you know, we could not use Budweiser on our mass market product because of kids, right? That's right. Exactly. So we had to have a die cast or a t-shirt that went into mass market. And it di didn't mean it had to be a kid's product. Even if it was an adult product, we had to have Dale Jr. on the side and we yeah. couldn't have the bud marks. Yeah. I'm curious how that, you know, I know that for, from a die cast perspective, that certainly authenticates it so much more, yeah. you know, right? And, but I'm curious if kids, the kids sales in general, kind of how that was, you know? Um, I can't remember. Yeah, I don't either. Yeah. I don't either. But but that was a positive, yeah. you know, from yeah. that well, standpoint, yeah, because bigger reach. Yeah. 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 We, we just always hated the fact that, you know, things didn't look identical, you know, it wasn't to, authentic. It wasn't authentic. That's right. You, you know, would to go to, car. let's yeah. just say, yeah. you know, Walmart, you're looking in the, at the like matchbox size, the, you know, the 164 die cast yeah. and it does, it's, it's the same scheme, but it says Dale. Yeah. Yeah. Across yeah, the hood, not Yeah, we had this little Dale Jr., yeah. correct. It doesn't And then they right. also had to be screwed down to, a, you know. A, yeah, a, a base. Yeah, a base. Yep. Like your, um, if you had Budweiser on it yeah. and it was an adult collectible product, oh. like uh, this car, for example, would have had to been screwed down to a base in order to be yeah. sold. Because that makes because it, it more of an alcohol. adult. Yeah. Just quote, quote, so unquote, collectible, not yeah. toy. Not yeah. a toy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 I didn't realize yeah. that. Yeah. And so the, we were out of a lot of categories, too, because yeah. of the toy piece of well, it, you know, because it didn't make sense a lot of times just to... But you're also at the mercy yeah. of someone else licensing your rights. Yeah. So you know, if you were given an unfair contract, someone could pass or decide, and we don't want to be in that. And, you know, yeah. you know, Teresa had a heavy hand in everything. Did you maximize your earning potential with her having the ability to say yes or no to everything? No. Right. So the handcuffs are off. Straight timelines were a... Problem yeah, maximizing yeah, things yeah, over there. Yeah, 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 and getting approvals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, simple yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, and I, when I look back and when you say all of that, our partners embraced us because they knew it was a breath of fresh air. Mm -hmm. Things are going to be done the right way. It does feel liberating. Yeah, it, it was. I do yeah. sense that. It yeah. was. Yeah. Um, you mentioned something, Joe. Um, you're moving $270 million. How big was your team? <laughs> Wasn't too big. I would say um, here internally four, four, five, four, five, yeah. Yeah. four people in you. Yeah. yeah. Did that yeah. much. No wonder yeah. Rick Hendrick. <laughs> we, we all fit in the yeah. same limo. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I was wondering. It's like yeah. he took him to dinner. What do he do? Did yeah. he, uh, yeah. you know, hire a shuttle service? What do yeah. you do? No, I mean, no, no. You know, cause you tell the story again, you tell the story about in 95, Kelly, when you're working for Joe at uh, sports image, mm -hmm. Y'all were talking about people crammed in offices. You got the parking lots yeah. overflowing. You've got trucks just moving in and out. And this team, it seems, you know, I, I kind of think of it like this big giant operation that you guys are doing. This isn't you. You, you actually sold more with four plus you is what you're yeah. saying. Yeah, not what to count your distributor. Yeah. I know there's other yeah. people. Yeah. That you are That's what I say. With, a little bit like, of the difference in terms that we weren't having the, to pick, pack, yeah, and ship. The, right? the business model. Yeah. We were pure licensee. Pure. I mean, yep. pure. We gave other people the rights to produce and to sell. Understand. Manufacture, yeah. distribute. And then yep. we were vertical at Sports Image. Hey, that vertical model was profitable. Yeah. <laughs> I would say you could argue the amount of profits that spun out, but that was a vertical model. And so we had to do everything. 
Uh, it's two yeah. different business. This was models. quite different. Yeah. Yeah. I understand yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, right. So then, what happens? Then? So you've you've met this uh, enormous number, and everybody's feeling good, but like on the track, you know, Dale and you know Tony Yuri Jr. There's it's not all roses. He took a while to get his first points win. I know he came out hot at Daytona, yeah. but didn't win the Daytona 500. And then he, you know, yeah. I think it was Michigan when he finally wins. And then he and Tony Jr. split. And now you're going to have Lance McGrew in 2009. So I'm curious on how the momentum carried over beyond 2008. Yeah. Well, you're, in, the, in, your, in your space. In, in year two, in 09, percentage wise, we dropped 40%, but it's still a big number. Right. But, you know, it, but that happens in any announcement. Any, you know, year one, if you do year one right and you do it right, it's going to be the high, highest watermark. And then there's a natural, I got it. I got the shirt already. Yeah. Carl Larson, HendrickCars.com. You know, third year, I mean, he could win 18 races. It just, they got the shirt already. So you have that naturally anyway. And I think that's something that you have to manage. And, yeah, and I, that's it. another thing that I, you know, I've, you've consistently said, you know, you, you, you in licensing, and I don't care what it is, you, you can't and you probably shouldn't have those repeated year over year over year because you're, you're messing with supply and demand, you know, so you've got to have those moments, but you can't, you, you know, and Joe says it, you know, we're not going to be able to recreate this next year. And you've got to be cautious about, you know, the special paint schemes and the special things and all of those kinds of things because you don't want to just keep trying to match those numbers because eventually you just run yeah. out, right? You don't yeah. sustain the model. No. Right. And and the consumers we have have X amount of discretionary income. Yeah. And, you know, if they, they over-index and spend $1,500 on Dale Jr. Souvenir in year one, they're going to go home and say, hey, that's enough for a while. Yeah. And another I mean, cautious thing, you know, that yeah. that you speak about often is um, inventory issues, right? So yeah. and, and then so they buy the T-shirt and then, um, you know, somebody decides to change the paint scheme or change the sponsor or whatever. And then you've got this inventory of what you haven't sold or moved through because some may, and this is to the point of where you wanted licensing to always be a part of the conversation. Uh, it's always you know, the, the sponsor says, oh, well, we're going to, you know, introduce this new drink. And so we want this on the car. And then they don't give you time exactly. to make product. <laughs> they have inventory already in the marketplace, right? And so then you're in this conundrum of, you know, what yeah. do you do? Yeah. Because <laughs> the, they want a T-shirt there. <laughs> it's the dirtiest nine-letter word <laughs> in the English language, yeah. inventory. Conundrum? Yes. Yes. No, inventory. <laughs> <laughs> no. Inventory scares me, but yeah. yeah. It's a process. Yeah. yeah it's well, okay. I, I do want to get to the, uh, you know, the current state, but first I, I want to talk about Dale's retirement. Mm -hmm. um, again, Kelly, I mean, we all have our vantage points during that year, two years. I mean, you had the concussion. Um, so, what do you both remember in terms of the licensing situation there and the preparation for life after racing for Dale? Well, Joe had a lot of, I mean, Joe, not just with Dale, but has had a lot of, um, <clears throat> you know, not only during Joe's tenure here managing Dale Jr.'s licensing, we also then became the manager of Hendrick Motorsports' licensing. So we did Jeff Gordon and Jimmy Johnson and so on and so forth, right? So we were doing a lot of that work for the mm -hmm. past many years. In addition to that, 
Joe talked in the first episode about SMI and um, uh, ISC. ISC purchasing uh, action, action performance. Mm-hmm. Oh, which was Fred Wagonoff. Which was Fred's company. Joe took a nine-month hiatus yeah, and could. went to work literally in the in the offices at, um, what did they call the yeah, company Motorsports then? Authentics. Motorsport Authentics, yeah. Well, okay. That's, that's a big deal. It's a big deal. So he goes to do that. So he... My whole point in this is that he had exposure to the Tony Stewart retirements. Uh, I mean, he he worked with Penske and what they were doing. Like, he strategically tried to manage the industry while managing our stuff, but manage the industry so that we were all aligned, even though people were doing their own things. And so he had exposure to the Jeff Gordon retirement, the Tony Stewart retirement, you know, uh-huh. and so on and so forth. So I think... You know, a conversation about these drivers retiring in general is a big deal, and then especially Dell Jr. Yeah, right. Yeah, as it relates to licensing. Yeah, I've seen a lot of pitches. <laughs> <laughs> I've been, at, I had a lot of plate appearances. But you go back to Dale's retirement, the and you were part of it as well, Kelly. The thought process and and the attention to details and the lead time, just as his announcement were done in his retirement. So you know. We amplified, we embraced and amplified every opportunity in conjunction with the marketing layout, with the with the whole plan of uh, how you guys were going to execute his retirement tour. We Our job was to complement that with licensed product along the way. If he's a certain track and there's a certain tribute to a track, well, we would add event track merchandise um, and all the way through. It, so um, that was, there was a probably, you know, so you had that 08, and there's this little thing in 210 when he won in the three car that yeah. really helped the industry. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. so, so I'm thinking about things that helped the industry. And then that was really probably the last big lick that helped the industry um, on that. But it was done the same methodology that 07 did. And you all, and you were really part of a lot of that. But you controlled the pace because the storyline and the marketing. And, and, and how you had, we're going to do this then and that then. My job's come behind you with it. Well, with i got to be honest. That This is one of the, it was one of the benefits of really having Hendrick Motorsports as a partner. You know, Jesse Essex was just, I can't even begin to describe how instrumental he was in, in that, you know, that whole team over there, you know, working with Marshall. Um, but, but the, uh, yeah. We we did we built a tour. We built a a marketing campaign around his retirement. Exactly, it was that appreciation tour. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which we felt was part of the Dale Junior vibe, right? Like the he, he he's not <laughs> he's not going to be one of those guys that you know wants to go to the track, receive his gifts, get his moment to shine. He would want to actually generate all that attention back to the people who made it possible for him, which was the fans, right? And so that's what we built on, and um, you know, in in. I thought I thought it worked right. I thought it worked well, um, and I thought that it gave you also an opportunity to oh, you know. I, I loved how it ended. So you're, you're going through this, and I, I get an airplane. I go back to QVC. I say I got to see you. We haven't even talked about QVC. No, Those were some massive you, moments. Yeah, because QVC right. used to be a big part. <laughs> oh my gosh! Big part of us. Yes. I got on a plane. I went up there. You got to you got to give me um, the time of day and get Dan and all that. And I went up there and I told him what we're doing. And I said, yeah, I know you got to hit this and that. I said, but we're going to do two million. You're going to do two million. I said, yeah, man, that's what we're going to do. We'll we'll come down for two million. 
um, and they did come down, and, um, and it was at Exaltus Studios because Hendrick was, you know, I'm glad you. That brought was up. the first QVC show that we did in forever. Long. I mean, long we used time. to do QVC. I was on QVC selling product. That's right. Back in the yeah 2000s, you know, yeah. early 2000s. Early 2000s. They yeah. would do three or four a year. Yeah. I thought. Yeah. 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 The, yeah. the last one probably was at QVC. I mean, at Whiskey River. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And yeah. he got he got mad at me for a Cabbage Patch doll. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, now, real side, that, I, that, I, I do want to get back to the uh, the Exalta and the, uh, yeah. the the team, but that is a, such a good point. I can't believe we glossed over the QVC stuff. <laughs> we did two or three a year, if I yeah. remember this right. I remember doing one out here in the front parking lot of Junior Motorsports. Yeah. I'm talking a television production with audience. Yeah, rows of chairs, people coming in, watching a stage, lights. Cameras, the whole thing. We would do these QVC shows. Dale Jr. fans listening to this right now remembers them, right? Yes. Yeah. And so how much, before we get to the fun little things that would be a little bit of a bump in the road, we'll mm-hmm. call them, QVC must have uh, uh, moved a lot of product. Tremendous amount of product. Um, and they did it the right way. They wanted the timing. It's all timing and planning and storylines. And then they would pick the merch and they take their position on a merch, and then they just go sell it. And then you just sit back and watch it, and it's a drug, man. It's like, yeah. man, man, like you're scoring 100 points. You'll watch the little ticker in the yeah. corner, you know, oh, as yeah. it went up. Yeah. But, it, but like now you're, you get to be able to make this merch without getting all the red tape and approvals that came with DEI, but then you run into a situation where Dale Jr. Yeah. is on stage, and then they go and put up some product <laughs> that he is seeing for the first time. Cabbage Patch didn't make it. <laughs> he would get upset from time to time about things like that because, you know, we didn't we we approved everything internally and whatnot and there would be occasions where maybe he didn't like his face the way it looked on something or it was a quirky product i remember the um i mean we even went to the point of making like bathroom accessories you know so we had like you know your toothbrush holder and your trash can and i mean there there were some quirky things that he some he didn't ever know about and then some things like the cabbage (laughs) Patch dog came out. I bet they sold. But do you know how collectible they are? Yeah, yes. like they yeah. were truly collectible. Hey, I, t- I took my beating and I laughed and moved on. <laughs> the one I remember of him really kind of uh, giving us static about was um, calendars. Like yeah. He's like, nobody uses calendars anymore. <laughs> That's Who pins up a calendar? Ain't nobody does a calendar. We're like, Lots they keep selling out. A lot yeah. of those garages across America. Yeah. A lot of those people. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Yeah. yeah. All right. So that was fun. And so the the uh, the other thing you mentioned real quick, um, you did mention. The, I forgot about this. The 2010 Wrangler number three. He he did run it. Were we the Nationwide Series? I believe at the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not the Xfinity Series. Nationwide Series. Dale goes to Daytona, wins the thing. The thing I remember most about this program was that we did the announcement and the unveil out here at Junior Motorsports. Teresa was here. Yeah. Yes. Teresa was here. She was. This April was 29th the, on Dale's birthday. Richard yep. was here. Dale, you, Kelly, and Teresa. And to be honest with you, I don't recall there being much, you know, in, you know, conversation. And in the, yeah, there, there were no warm. <laughs> it wasn't a family reunion, so to speak. But it but I it was like the last we were real collaborative. Really Maybe the with last the exception of your dad's induction into the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. This was like one of the last times that you all were together mm-hmm. in, in a meaningful way. And that's even before Dale goes out and wins the dang thing. Yeah. Well, it was Dale's idea. Kelly came yeah. into me, and I was just, yes, please. And uh, <laughs> But if Richard Childers didn't get involved. And, we probably would have made that happen. Yeah. yeah. So Richard um, 
championed the idea, yeah. and he made it happen. Okay, yeah. so how much product moved? A lot. I, I mean, I don't know. Well, I think we sold like 10,000, 124s ahead of time, and, and then he goes and wins, and, and certainly we come back with the race use version, and, and that doesn't beat um, the initial one, and yeah. it's crushed. But it was a big deal. Yeah, it, it, No, it beat it, uh, the race use version, and um, it was a really big deal. So, there, yeah, when I, I look back on all these buckets and the big the blurps in the screen they've always been you know good opportunities oh sun drop late model's not a bad burp <laughs> oh that's right we must talk yeah, about that yeah, individual yeah, no no what i mean yeah i i, I, I that's I, still I, happening yeah i i do remember the the the, the strikeouts too so I, I, it's not just yeah there's a lot of strikeouts in between yeah so. i want to talk about that too and and maybe get into just a couple conversations of maybe some f- favorite merchandise and stuff but i i think um it's also important and i think this would be interesting to uh you know the fans listening that have been along this journey from a from a souvenir standpoint at the racetrack joe was also very involved and aligned and and in he's been a part of the changes in the industry as far as going to from the trackside trailers to the tents to back to the trackside trailers and all. And I think that's a, I think that's just something interesting that people, I mean, I don't think our, our fans didn't understand that. Yeah. We didn't understand that, Yeah. but yeah, you I, know, those I, conversations yeah. you were in the middle of. <laughs> yeah. I think um, if you really go back, how the tents came to be. Um, and what year, what year was this change? 15. 15. 15. Yeah. So it goes back to, well, Kelly alluded to um, IC and SMI buying Motorsports Authentics, and um, and '09 I, I went there in, in the mornings, and and we had a right size. It was going sideways because they were paying all the guarantees, the guarantees, yeah. and Hendrick and and Junior Motorsports a lot of money, and they were the number one licensee. We had to go in, and I went in. Remember, he went in and fixed the uh, uh, you fixed the California. Uh, center. Joe's a fixer. Yeah, yeah. So he goes back yeah, in when he yeah. worked for his dad at the hangar yeah, company. Yeah. So, so, you know, we, we got that right size, had to throw $25 million away, um, of, of bad inventory we alluded to. And then, Oh, that, that yeah, stings. Yeah. 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 And, and then, you know, MA, the trust came in 210 trying to do things right, but then the NASCAR trust, NASCAR trust. And then Motorsports Authentics, which is again owned by IC and SMI for four years, they just kind of dealt with this motorsports authentics acquisition that truly never worked. So there was a need and that was they were the track site company. And and from publicly traded ISC and SMI and they um, whatever, they wanted to get rid of it. So when when you're gonna get rid of your track site event, you had to find someone who's gonna take it over. And that's when they went to the tent concept. Um, did we embrace it? No. no. Um, but but you got to be respectful of sanctioned body and their wishes, um, and it just it it never made sense to me. But we we can't fight City Hall. Eventually, you know, you had to agree with it. But I, I clearly went on record internally, you know, what my forecast was going to be in three years and how they it wouldn't work. And like, it didn't work. It didn't work. And I mean, my our for, my, our sales were down. Everything was down. Yeah. The experience with the race fan, the, you know, the race fan accept. certainly raised their hand, and they did not like it. I mean, they wanted to go up to 
their favorite driver's trailer, shop their driver's merchandise. The breadth of product was so intense on the the trackside trailer. It was such a change in this big white tent that, and the logistics of them pulling. You know, logistics expensive. in the trackside model was was one thing, and it was difficult. But you're talking about they would um, hop tracks and go in and set up the tents and the massiveness. You know, weeks beforehand to just yeah. be prepared. Yeah. Yeah. Then to stock the merchandise and have merchandise at this track and then hop to, you know, they had these two situations hopping, you know, yeah. each other to X make it all work. XX inventory. Yeah. You talk about um, mobile marketing. When that race is over in the trailer, you drop it and you go. So you don't need yeah. any extra inventory. <laughs> Everything's we, organized, we a, stored. Yeah, when you yeah. have a tent. And um, that track site trailer is home base. So you know, I'll meet you at the 88 trailer. I'll meet you at the 24 trailer. That that is where people gather. Mm -hmm. um, so I'll meet you at the white tent. I mean, <laughs> we, I mean, we play all away games. We're not regional. We're not seasonal, and we play all away games. Right. So you you look at the other stick of ball sports. So, and and being at trackside for all those years and listening to those fans, I mean, you're going to pull. You know, maybe you. I get you got to market to the new fan. But you alienated the old fan yeah. way too much, and it, and it just didn't work. It, it didn't have a chance uh, of working, in my opinion. And um, so we went back um, in 18. Yeah, it was about e three Even years. Fanatics started adopting a quasi, some trailers, some some tents, and then at the end of 18, they said, uncle, they want it out. So, <laughs> so let me just make sure I'm understanding all this right. You're saying that basically the big tent, we all remember it, the big, you know, the superstore or whatever at the track was a byproduct or was a result of an ISC SMI acquisition of Fred Wagonall's company, which was Motorsports yep. Authentics at that time. Well, no, you got to say the storyline because that acquisition didn't work out. It wasn't financially okay. creative. So, Maybe so, not a direct result, but yeah. basically th th there was an acquisition in what year was that? Oh, five. Oh, five. So we're talking about a 10-year span here for sure. So when, when I, I'm assuming you acquire – the company Motorsports Authentics, if you're ISC and SMI, uh, I would assume you acquire it because that's a was that a larger chunk of revenue that you get to keep? Is there, I mean, I mean, certainly there's a business model that they think that's going to work. Is there another reason why you would acquire it? Well, I think since the beginning of time, you look at how the NFL, NBA, hockey, baseball is, and versus us. You know, we're independent contractors. Um, the drivers are independent. The teams, I think. NASCAR, I'm guessing um, at that point in time, by acquiring the largest piece of the business and, and from a branding standpoint, you really can roll up the rights and, and, and be in a position sure. to be, be the industry leader, a lot easier to execute your marketing initiatives. You control the, they control the tracks, they control, they're the sanctioning body, and now they control licensing. So, so. You got all these assets here, so you know. All, in the past, perhaps maybe because they didn't control them, we didn't execute plans as well. But now that you have it, then you should be able to execute it. So, but then and then to continue my recalibration here, so I understand this correctly, it. You, I remember you just used the word sideways a few minutes ago. Mm -hmm. So things were sideways enough to where you needed to come in. They needed you to come in to help. Right, the ship, so to speak. I don't know the right way to characterize yeah. that, but either way. And then they end up 10 years after their acquisition in 2015. 
ISC, SMI, NASCAR, however you want to call it, says, look, we're going to go to this superstore model. You didn't love that idea, but you can only do so much. I mean, mm-hmm. I understand that. And then, and then they adopt it. It does not work. How many, how many years? Three did we, years. Three well, years. Four, we did it that? took four to four get years. out. Yeah. Four years. And eventually, like what, 2019, we start going back to a, mm-hmm. a, a trackside trailers, trailers mm-hmm. with drivers. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. O'Reilly Auto Parts, man, they are in the business of keeping your car on the road. They offer friendly and helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. You know the jingle? Oh, yeah. We're going to do the jingle at the end of this. Nice. I can't wait for it. Yeah. So listen. Listen to the end. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock either in store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find just the right battery for your car. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fixed, or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you'll find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts. They're knowledgeable, helpful, and best of all, they're friendly. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com. That's O'ReillyAuto.com. O'Reilly's Auto Parts. Ow! (laughs) You better put that in there. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or the neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Dalton, this probably sounds real familiar to you. It does. I just bought a house last year. and You know, you asked, uh, why can't all this information be in one place? Well, now it is. On Homes.com, they've got everything you need to know about the listing itself, but even better. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools. And their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. Homes.com collaboration tools make it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com, we've done your homework. So another, so so Joe's referenced 52 cards on the table and I'll face up. Another um, uh, scenario that we went through in this licensing business was our relationship with Adidas. Um, oh, and, yes. Uh, <laughs> um, and so, uh, you know, one of the things, that was what, 2007 and 8? Seven I mean, and two, eight, 2008, nine. he was yeah. an Adidas guy for yeah. 2008, 9, yeah. maybe even 10. And so we were working on this, you know, this <clears throat> relationship to, you know, be an Adidas athlete, right? And, um, and we had a meeting, I guess we, I don't know how it came to be, but we had a meeting with Mr. Helton, Mike Helton, and was Brian France in the meeting too? I think so. I think he was. We had it here at Junior Motorsports. And the 52 cards on the table thing is important because while we laid out our cards and said what we were doing, they didn't lay out their cards. And so we left the meeting and we're like, okay, we're moving forward. We know we're going to do this Adidas thing. And whatnot, and we announce it, yes, and we, did. we move forward, and you know now Dell's an Adidas branded athlete with his 
um, with his driving suit and, you know, this product and, and all of these things. And we get this phone call and, and the phone call is like, did you not hear us clearly in the meeting? And we're like, no, we didn't. And, and basically I think that we were supposed to read minds and hand signals and whatnot, but we, we got our hand slapped because I think we, derailed an entire industry solution that they were working on with a, a competitor of Adidas. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. what happened? Yeah. yeah. You, you, you connect the rest of the dots. <laughs> and so that was a big moment in our licensing yeah. life. You yeah. know, it's like, uh, and, and we went on to do Adidas for a few years mm -hmm. and, and, uh, and, and then that, you know, had ran its course. But uh, yeah, I think we single-handedly in that decision, you know, derailed something really big that the sport was yeah. working on that, that had they told us and had they, yeah. you know, had we been a part of the decision and had we known, we probably could have, yeah. you know, changed course and whatnot. Well, but, yeah. I, I think that's, <laughs> I a, know that. that's, a, that's a systematic problem that existed from the beginning of the time. And um, this industry isn't going to get fixed until all our interests are mutually aligned. Yes, absolutely. And there's a fairness to it. Hmm. And, and, and not, I'm not going to tell you on a need-to-know basis, but as teams, we got to be forward and, and, and we have to communicate, which you did, mm -hmm. but it, there has to be a two-way street and, and the business model, um, you know, the financials got to get better, the distribution of those and, and get these interests mutually aligned. Um, we're still going to be okay. It's not, the sky's not falling, but opportunities being left on the table each and every day until it, something better happens than today. I, I'm curious though, um, I don't know how specific you want to get here, but I'm curious what's working and what's currently broken and is in, and how do you fix anything that's not broken in, in current day uh, licensing and merch? Yeah, it's a really, it's a, t that's a yeah, tough question. That, that, that yeah. is tough. Um, on, on the track side model, let's get to that. The economic model, Kelly alluded to break evens. And, you know, I even said today it's 1.4 million. Um, I think as these new TV deal comes to play, this is a personal opinion here, um, and, and these tracks get rights to events, licensing has to be hard code written in. Because, you know, right now, when I go to one track, that track proprietor could charge me XYZ to park our trailers, and you go to another track, there's a different proposition. Um, that shouldn't be, and, and also in there, and what's always bothered the drivers and the teams is, let's just say, when we sell a souvenir, we make a dollar. So, you know, you sold this souvenir, so, so from the IP rights holder, the track's an IP right, and so's the driver, and so's intellectual property. How does that dollar get split? Well, the tracks get 55 cents of that dollar. NASCAR gets five cents of that dollar. The driver gets 20 cents at a dollar, and the team gets 20 cents on a dollar. Um, Harvick, who's pretty astute businessman for a driver, probably one of the best in mm -hmm. the sport, I mean, he's, he's helped us try to champion this, and it, that has to be a fair split. And, and that's part of, um, part of the problem. And also, the number can't be too high. You can't charge 30% or 40 There has to be, just say it's a total in industry fee of 20%. It just has to get a split better between all the 
IP mark. Kevin Harvick's name is just as important as Stuart Haas's name, just as important as Racetrack ABC's name. So that that's not a good allocation of it. Now on um, that's on the track side. Um, and if you write that into the sanctioning agreement, we could fix that long term. We should know for the next five, ten years, we got to fix that. Now, and some tracks are being creative. If this driver does this autograph, you know, maybe we'll reduce the fees. That's not fixing the problem. We got to fix the problem. Yeah. I've had that problem in 1995. Yeah, it's always been a topic of conversation uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, um, your dad put me in front of Bill France in yeah. 1995. And I just said, this is a bad economic model. Why, why do we, you get this and we have to get that? I said, that's not fair. And, um, yeah. I think in a, in a larger perspective of the licensing business in general, you know, a lot of it has to do with just, um, you know, consumers' change of habits, right? So, I mean, if I think of it from, from the Walmarts of the world and, and retail and, and just what, you know, the, the different generations are interested in and not interested in, you know, collectibles, people, I don't, I don't think people are collecting things anymore, right? Um, this new generation of people that are, I'm going to say, you know, 30, 35 and under, you know, they're not, I mean, I've got storage upon storage upon storage. Like when, when I die, somebody's gonna have to go through some massive amount of some die cast and what are they going to do with it? You know, I think to myself and now, why am I hanging on to this? And what is somebody going to do with it after I store it for the next 30 years? Yeah. <laughs> and I, I don't think people are in that, in that mindset of collectibleness and, and things like that. So I think just those consumer habits changing the way retail works and is changing the floor space dedicated to product in the store, whatever it is. I don't care if it's, you know, shampoo and conditioner versus uh Dell junior t-shirt, you know? Um, and, you know, Margins and timing um, as our sport has changed with, you know, changing sponsors and changing paint schemes. We don't have the time that we've alluded to that's yeah. necessary to create meaningful programs and to create, you know, meaningful things. Um, and, you know, so you're 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 just, you know, trying to be in the moment of, of what's going on and do the best you can with what you can. And and then the driver star power is certainly different. Right. So, I mean, we, we talked about yeah. the exodus of so many of the names. I mean, the driver star power is different. Their personalities are different. The, you know, the PC world, the you know, having to be politically correct in this world today, you know, probably sometimes stashes people's personalities. And 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 so I just think there's so many things just as a lot of her life. Yeah. You know, the the, the and, and and has changed. I think where people are looking to, low is you've got, um, you know, you've got fun brands and things like that to support. Like we've done some fun things with Dirty Mo Media with the nostalgic cars and different things like that. And you look at like Ross Chastain and the watermelon stuff. And, you know, you, you just see these people coming out with um, even our own door bumper clear um, guys with uh, Couch Racer and, and different things like that. You know, I think that's what's kind of trending to that generation that I talked about, you know, that 35 yeah. and under. and The big bites are over. Yeah. That, they're good examples of little yeah. bites. And yeah. Like little niche audiences, yeah. niche, niche. But I stuff. think that's yeah. what it is these days. I mean, yeah. you can go and you can do, you can use all these different like on-demand print sources to be in a hot market yeah. um, to to do something quickly. It's much more difficult to do meaningful, long-term, sustainable programs with the ever-changing landscape of sponsors, drivers, and so on. I tend to agree with that. But then the Sundrop Wilkesboro thing from last year, we had time. 
You had time. That's right. We had, had time. And had time to build it. We had time and, and to plan build it. it and make it and build it, it and, and they will come. It. And, mm. and it's a pretty cool there little brand yeah. in a niche yeah. market. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think on the flip side of the Sundrop situation, uh, very authentic to the family, right? I mean, we that's that's just an authentic situation. You know, we did the number three Bass Pro Shop car with Dale at Florence last mm-hmm. year. We did not have as much time on that program as we did on the Sundrop program, and we and and I think the expect the the normal expectation would have been that those two paint schemes and those two opportunities could have married each other in expectations, and they didn't. And I think they didn't for that reason. And we didn't have time to promote, mm. to continue and, and do. Yeah. And I, I, that's just very important. And, and one other thing, too, is the cadence between the two programs. Correct. Absolutely. You, you announced a sun drop and you took a lot of money out of the marketplace. Absolutely. And then you came back two months later and you knocked on that fan's door again. Yep. You know, maybe right before Christmas wasn't the right time. I mean, you got to yeah. run the program. Which is about timing as well, yeah. right? You got to do what's <laughs> right for the partners and, yeah. and, and that. And and that's where licensing is secondary and it and it supports it just embraces and amplifies what's going on, but it, it's never gonna be the lead dog. Or you have to decide when it can be the lead dog, yeah. honestly. I yeah. mean you y'all made that decision with the Olympic program that you talked yeah. about, right? That's true. So I mean there are opportunities I think where you can but but fifty two cards have to be up on the table. You have to have those conversations. You've gotta have people that understand the business. You've gotta and, and all of those things kinda have to take place. I mean, we 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 did the Sundrop thing because we thought it would be cool and we, it was authentic to the family. And we didn't, um, you know, go after it from the licensing angle of it. We were like, oh, my gosh, we want to run a cool paint scheme. Dale ran that paint scheme at North Wiltsboro. We're going back to North Wiltsboro the first, you know, for the first time in 20 years. And this is going to be amazing. And then, but you had time to plan a program around it because Joe's mind said, oh, this can be a great thing. Our fans are really going to support this. <laughs> we, we sold fifty thousand dollars worth of soda, Sundrop, out of that little shop there in two days. I quickly shut that down. <laughs> oh, that was this year. Yeah, that was this year. Yeah, yeah I was in yeah. the pick pack and shipping of um, um, cans. 12, yeah, and that was it. It blew up. Yeah. It was successful till it wasn't successful. Yeah, well, wasn't I just it? had enough. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I mean, it was the demand was crazy, and yeah. we were just not built for that. Do, yeah. Do you guys have favorites over the years of uh, merch that has either been generated from Dale Earnhardt or Dale Earnhardt Jr. or any anybody for that matter? Mm. It's not the Cabbage Patch. It's not the Cabbage <laughs> Patch kid. Or the toilet accessories, the bathroom <laughs> no. accessories. I, I mean, I let I can get your wheels going on one. I I love the story, and I think I want you to tell it. Um, the hurt's so good T-shirt ah. for yeah. Dale Earnhardt. What year was that, and what was the occasion, Joe? Well, um, he won the poll after being hurt. Oh, that's right, yeah. Yeah, so I'm up in Pennsylvania, uh, back to my dad's retiring, 65, and um, I find out Friday Dale won the poll, I mean the poll, and he, and he comes out, it hurts so good. I pick up the phone, I call Ken Barbie, um, who we've done business with, Motorsports Tradition, he prints. I said, hey, Ken, I just got a call from Dale, which I didn't. <laughs> oh. <laughs> we, yeah, which I did. I said, he wants you to um, go in tomorrow morning and produce some It Hurts So Good shirts and um, and send it to me, and um, I'll pick them up, fly them into Binghamton, New York, and I'll pick them up, print as many as you can. Oh, because he won the poll at Watkins Glen, yeah. right? And he was yeah. hurt. Yeah, he was yeah. hurt. And he's and, been hurt. And, and he said it hurts, you know, it hurts so good. Yeah. yeah. And, and I said, Dale wants a poll shirt. And um, he's like, it was Friday night. And he's like, leave me alone. I mean, <laughs> it's too late. 
And I know he gets up early, so I call him 6 o'clock in the morning. I said, Earnhardt's up already, and I got the second call. <laughs> and, and, and Dale doesn't even know. It's probably a true statement that Dad was up already. Yeah. And, and um, he's like, you're kidding me. I said, no. And, and he just told me to call you. And, and he said, are you serious? I said, yes, man. So he calls his whole team in, and he's – the only thing he has there with a shirt is the back of a fan club shirt. Hmm. We had fan the back of it was a you know E club or yeah, whatever yeah. whatever that. And he and he goes and he prints on the front of the shirt. It hurts so good at the pole on the gland, you know. And um, he puts them in a box and he goes down to the airport and PDQ in the airport in Charlotte pretty darn quick and they fly to Binghamton, New York. And all the boxes he could fit in his car, like on Saturday or <laughs> Sunday. Saturday, no, Saturday yeah, at, at Saturday. Um, five o'clock. He had to, he had to print till then. Wow! And um, my buddy Jimmy picks me up, and his Corolla, which <laughs> this important, the little small car, and he we're going there because he's um, helping us um, um, on the souvenir rig, and um, so he picks me up, and we go to Binghamton to pick up these boxes. And there's these big boxes, and it's filled up, and they're still warm because they come out of the oven. And, um, and the guys are, what is this? And, and the guy, what's in that box? And I open it up. I say, here's a shirt. And I give him a shirt. So we carry him out to the Corolla, and boxes don't. You unbox them all. We have to unbox them to get them in the car because you can't, <laughs> you know, you have to shove them underneath. And so, so you have a Corolla full of just loose-wrapped I mean, T-shirts yeah, and plastic. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we, we drive the painter post. Um, holiday in I said Jimmy and now it's like midnight I'm glad bars are open late and they were open <laughs> and um, and we're sitting there and, um, and we're just talking how crazy it was I said Jimmy these race fans are going to see those shirts and going to bust your windows <laughs> and he's like I hope not so we get to the track that next morning and I called Don I said hey man you got to show Dale this shirt oh Don Hawk yeah yeah I mean because now he has to prove everything and um um, he gets in, he brings in the Dale, and you know, now it's Dale's idea. He loves it. I mean, right? <laughs> what a gamble. Yeah, yeah. Well, but you know, that was literally the first hot, hot market t shirt. Yeah. I mean, it was hot market. <laughs> right. You printed on demand, yeah. didn't you? <laughs> yeah. And um, then Dr. Jerry Punch put it up, and boom. So Chris Williams is out there selling them, and I only had seven or 800 of them. That's all we could fit in there, and that's all we had. <laughs> Our time to print. And then all of a sudden, yeah. ISC comes after me and says, you're in trouble. Um, you didn't get approval to use, but I want those shirts taken off the wall. Wait, approval? Approval for the, what? Yeah. On, on the pole, on the Glen. Uh, uh, uh. For they're the Watkins Glen, Mark. They, they're uh, saying, they're, yeah. but I said at, at the Glen. I didn't use Watkins yeah, Glen. right, right, right. Uh, <laughs> oh, and, and, and I said, um, I can't take them off the wall. He said, why? I said, they're sold out. <laughs> and, and, I, and I said, hey, I'm going to keep on producing. We'll pay you. Back off. What's your problem? This is good, not bad. And um, I eventually, I think I ended up paying them like $11,000 from it. We just kept on printing those shirts and printing those shirts. And um, I told Bybee when I got back, I, I didn't tell the truth. Yeah, but but Dale quickly embraced what an idea. Yeah, And then awesome. Dr. Jerry Punch makes him look so smart. Yeah. The, the astute businessman Dale Earnhardt is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that may have been my favorite shirt. The one that surprises me, I still to this day, uh, you know, the Dale call. Yeah. Oh, that was You know, funny. the commercial, the commercial, you know, goes out there, it becomes a thing, and Joe thinking, 
Oh, that made me so mad I didn't know about that up front. Yeah. I mean. You could have planned a little bit of time. No. And then we had to go and we had to find a guy who could go. They could make anything, you know, but. And uh, we found the right guy, and, and they made it. And we made a bunch of them. But, like, when I saw that first yeah. commercial, yeah. I'm like, how do we miss this opportunity? <laughs> just got to know. That's it. Yeah. yeah, people got to tell you. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we should have. Maybe we should have. We missed that. Um, did, I mean, your dad. I mean, there's, is anything stick out in terms of your dad's merch? <sighs> Diecast or anything? Do you have a favorite piece of diecast? My favorite piece of diecast is the silver car. Yeah, it's Just by far history. my favorite. Just the history. I mean, it's super good history. looking, cool, um, and a tribute. I mean, it was yeah, a perfect yeah, tribute. Yeah, yeah. It was that you talk about authentic and natural? That was just what could be better than that? Yeah, because they're such a good part of our sport, Winston. Yeah, I think those iconic moments really make. I mean, like sitting here looking at this. Um, <clears throat> Bud car here, like um, the uh, baseball car. I mean, oh. you know, I love that car, but I also think just because of the connection to that iconic moment of Dale winning that race, you know, after dad's death, like there's just a lot of those things fit together for me, you know, in terms of, of what I liked about programs or diecast or different things like that. Are y'all saying that the Dirty Mo Media diecast wasn't the most uh, profitable or the, one of the most successful in your career, Joe? Is that well, what you're trying to say? It's sitting in front of you because it's your favorite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that I understand. I did love it. it your awesome. dad was into paint schemes as much as your brother. Oh, yeah. Is that right? Yeah. He was pretty big into that. We honestly would get very aggravated with the approval process with Dad because, I mean, he they were, they were sticklers about so many things. I mean, the way the faces looked – I mean, it, it, they, you know, you showed them something and you might have to make massive changes and, and changing artwork's not easy. No. Um, not easy at all. I'm yeah. learning more and more about it just now, even with Ryan Williams, our graphic designer and the, the, it's not an easy process. No. <laughs> yeah. Ryan Williams will buy your 30 year stuff. Yes. Yeah, yeah, there yeah, are yeah, people yeah, out yeah, there. Yeah. yeah. He is yeah. one of the 35 yeah. and under <laughs> that yeah. likes collectibles. You, you talk about Dale and the approval process and everything and, um, Dale was just, he wanted to know everything. And he just so much, just mad as this, mad as that. And I said, Dale, please do me a favor. Give me three things I got to think about every time I make a decision and quit asking so many questions. <laughs> if I think of these three things that are important to you every time I make a decision, I'll try to make better decisions the, the way you would yeah. want. But quit asking so many questions. <laughs> um, and he said, okay, number one, um, just like you work for me, I work for Bill France. He's Superman. Don't tug on his cape. Mm. I mean, boom. Advice number one he gave me. Advice number two is um, without Richard Childers and out my sponsors, I really don't have anything. And he had all the rights to that. Mm-hmm. And we talked about that earlier. He said, but we really have to be cognizant and take care of um, Richard and the sponsors. And number three, he said, Teresa's heavily, heavily involved in this business. And she is really involved in this business. And you just have to recognize that and, um, and, and respect that. And there may be things you and I do, and, um, but, you know, we're going to have to do because we're going to have to do it. But she's going to be right and you're going to be wrong. <laughs> and I didn't know what that meant. And um, so you go and Goodwrench. GM's an 11 million dollar customer and they have this free oil lube and do this and get that and there's just a simple three hat to get approved Mm -hmm. and she keeps on saying no and she keeps on saying no and she keeps on saying no and um, so I go to Dale I said Dale 
they're going to buy 15,000 hats. I mean, come on, Dale. He said, okay, let it go, Mattis. Well, I soon found out what that meant. So we're on the airplane because I would fly it, you know, my, my mentor was Dale. Yeah, you would. I, I fly to every race with him and go work the souvenir trailers and I fly back. And that's where I had all my one-on-one for two years in a row. I flew to every race with him. And Teresa would sit there looking at her magazines and open the page. She'd just wait for the right time and said, I said no to this. Mm. <laughs> and and uh, those gargoyles were on his face for a reason. He would turn his face and look outside, and he's the one who told me to go do it. <laughs> and I'd have to be there, and she's like, and he would be just not looking at me, and she'd be yelling at me. And I'm like, I got to go back and find out. I know you said no. I don't know how that slipped through. <laughs> uh, and, and let me get back to you. And, um, and that's what he meant by that. I, 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 and yeah. I always took all the bullets. Yep. She must have called me that dumb Mattis. <laughs> He's making a lot of mistakes, Dale. <laughs> but he did let me he improve stuff. He had my back, but he just turned his head. <laughs> so you're talking about favorite products. So we had this hat, um, the shark tooth hat. Oh, yeah. And so it was a, a white hat, but it looked like shark fins with black. Mm. And some of them we had, you know, GM on the front, and then some we had the three on the front. Yeah. And, um, and that was the shark tooth hat. And, I mean, wildly successful. I don't know how many years we carried it and how many we sold, but wildly, wildly, wildly successful. So I'm in the airplane. Um, this was like a week after the drag races were here for Charlotte not too long ago. And um, I'm in the airplane, and the guy sitting next to me has a John Force T-shirt on, and he has a John Force hat on, and it's the shark hat, but it's John Force. And it was kind of dingy looking and everything, you know. And, and so I, you know, was making conversation. I said, were, he, were you here for the drag race? He said, no, I was here for something else. But he was dressed head to toe as a John hmm. Force fan. And I said, well, I'm just curious. I said, how long have you had that hat? And because I'm thinking he's going to tell me like 20 years, right? 22 years. And he goes, I just got it last year. And I was like, oh, wow. I said, um, uh, and so I end up telling him, you know, I said, you know, I was in the licensing business for a long time and I said we made a hat for Dale Earnhardt like that that was just so successful and I was so it was so funny to see it it's carried on like whoever does John Force's product it's a great hat it's carried on you know all these years and um, I mean that hat was massively successful that was was our number one hat yeah yeah we did a black and red version and we went to a a black and white for um, GM yeah that's right that's right all right, I, I, let me the, think. The number, how. the number was E two five one eight. Yeah, right. Wow. We always laugh about that because, like, we all of our um, numbers as we started at Sports Image, we would have like, um, you know, E bottle. That you would got, be the that you, would. You got mad at me the one time. E bear. Yes. Yeah, our, our coding system was pretty simple. Yeah, so we had this little <laughs> plush bear. It would be E bear, or but then we would like we had E was for Earnhardt, obviously, and if it was Rusty Wallace, it was W or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then the one meant for a T-shirt, a two was for a hat, a three was for whatever, a four was for yeah. women's, you know, yeah. so on and so forth. And then you know we'd be like E two thirty four, E one twenty three, and and we have these iconic numbers that stick out in yeah. our head from yeah. those that were just so wildly successful. Yeah, <laughs> this actually reminds me of something I wanted to ask you you both and between the shark tooth hat style and Joe you talking about Teresa's approval um you know process if the if you will I was curious if you ever became if you ever um established an understanding of 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 the preferences that 
her and Dale were going to approve or not. Like if there was ever a common understanding of of why things were not approved and th- why things were. And the reason I'm really wondering that is because NASCAR merch really took off into this crazy space where the the designs and the colors were like all over the place. And so you're talking about shark tooth three hat, which would have clearly been approved by Teresa and Dale. Yeah. Whereas a simple clean example that you were talking about just a few minutes ago, I thought I said no to that. Yeah. So I'm like, one could argue that these things got so loud. NASCAR merch is known for its loudness. Oh yeah, the all over print tees and 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 the yeah the big Massive. checkers and the orange and the black and the and, and all this stuff. Um, and I'm just I'm curious on those two things. One, did you did is that a thing that her and Della embraced? They liked that. Were they a part of why it became that way? And if not, who did? What started the loudness of the merching uh, the the NASCAR style? I I don't know. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. To- there was always total prints, and there yeah. was always um, there was colors, and no, his car being black. I mean, that kind of that I, that themes you. But Ricky Rudd's car was bright. Tide was bright, so you know from that you have a lot of derivatives. So a lot of it's sponsor too, and how we embrace team colors and and that. So. Um, I don't know how many crazy colors we really got into Dale. Maybe we did. Yeah, maybe and, we didn't. Well, maybe it wasn't colors, but the design. I mean, I look at Dale Earnhardt people or Dale Earnhardt shirts today. I mean, there isn't a there isn't a square inch of oh no, we were in the canvas. Ink. You're using every piece yeah. of that shirt for some sort of graphic. I can't really think of of the specific things. Like we didn't have like a playbook that said no. we want to prove this or we want to prove that. We really had to go at them with every single design. Yeah. And, um, yeah. The only thing I learned is if that visor was green, that hat was getting oh, yeah, thrown at yeah, me. Yeah. Oh, right, because we could of use the superstition. No <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and no I hate, green. we'd get a super good hat and say, say it was a shark tooth and, and because they made a sample and it came in green, I couldn't even show them. Like, if it was a good design, well, just look at the hat and don't worry about the green. No. I had to wait for a new sample. Yeah. I was always curious if, like, maybe Sam Bass's influence uh, started to kind of trickle over into the merchandise because his art was largely yeah. loud, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. it was it was big colors. and Dale worked with Sam. Yeah. Did yeah, he? A oh, lot. Yeah. A oh, lot. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he embraced Sam. Did he design shirts, though? No. Sam, no. Not really? Mm-mm. Okay. No. 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 Oh, well. Bobby Moore. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Th- what, what, did you, what was your opinion of the Peter Max car? Sitting that right was over loud. There. Yeah. <laughs> yes, this one. Yeah, that was loud. I, w- I mean, I was in college. And uh, was I in college? What year was this, Joe? It may have been 99-ish. Mm-hmm. That was later down the line. This cause... did not feel intimidator to me. <laughs> no, it wasn't. No. We did a Wheaties in 97. That looked good. Yeah, that was a fun car. But what 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 happened here? I, I feel like that was a Teresa thing. The Peter Max was like a... Yeah upscale design you know i mean obviously Art, he was yeah, a major yeah, artist yeah. but i mean i think that was more along those lines yeah, i wasn't of, there for that yeah you weren't yeah no. gladly <laughs> i mean i yeah all right do you like this car or not did you like this is this one of your favorites it was one of the least sellers it was not wildly a favorite it yeah. was one of the least sellers yeah yep. so i didn't yep. like it yep. that's yep. a shocker yeah yeah <laughs> yep. so i think- tell your statistic about the top 25 die casts like what 
um, my dad and Dale's diecast, like of the top twenty-five, they make up. Do you have that handy? I, I, I would no, I don't. But the Olympics, yeah, and ends up being P one. Like pretty much of the twenty-five spaces they occupy. Oh, probably more than half oh, to three easy. quarters. It w- yeah. would, I, yeah. I would say fifteen yeah. Uh, plus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, r- r- yeah. Father yeah. and son. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Uh, let me see I if mean, I you, can take a guess you, here. You take baseball paint scheme's got to be in there. Yeah, certainly. Um, the final exalted car, the trivia car, mm-hmm. the big paint scheme, big one, huh? Yeah, the kickoff of both '08s um, cars, both of them, real, real big. Um. Another interesting the, fact. The Wrangler car. Yeah. Xfinity. Hey, Sundrop late model was number four yeah. last year. Of all the cup drivers, our, our Sundrop late model, and I and I, I wore out Howard Hitchcock from Lionel. You better you better rank. Howard's like, this is just a cup ranking. I'm like, no, I want <laughs> I want that dang Sundrop rank. It's a rank. ranking. Yeah. Mm. And uh, so that was number four last year. Yeah. So – Dale Earnhardt had the Wheaties, the Peter Max, the Silver, the Olympics. The Olympics. Am I missing a special paint scheme? Yeah. Or is there a Bass Pro Taz, paint scheme? When, when the ba- Bass the, Pro Gold, wasn't it? Yeah. The gold Bass one. Pro Gold. Yeah. Tasmanian Devil the Taz with Warner one. Brothers. Yeah. yeah. Um, Dale Jr., I would say, I mean, gosh, he's had so many special paint yeah, schemes. Yeah, the DMP, like well, the when Gossamer. He won, when he won the Batman, I mean, the yeah, Michigan Batman. Race. Oh, yeah, how did that we, go? Yeah. Very well. Yeah. Very well. Huh? Yeah. Now, there's a thing we don't do anymore, but we worked with Warner Brothers, had a good relationship. That is timing. That's 18 months yeah. out, 12 months out, because you got to get rights of a, a pretty back to that Olympic thing. Who's bigger than who? <laughs> I mean, yeah. so you got to acquire rights, and um, we had a real good relationship with them. And um, that car did extremely well. What about when Dale Jr. Uh, did the Mountain Dew car at Darlington? Did that do well? Remember that? It kind of looked like a Daryl Waltrip. Yeah, it wasn't Waltrip. I'm sure it did. Like, didn't. There's a lot to remember. Over <laughs> <years>. <laughs> well, like at some point, it doesn't the, pop out as like a massive the, one. The, but the yeah. special paint yeah. scheme, would you agree? I, I don't know if you uh, are, are a fan of them or not, but it feels like it became – Less special and well, more yeah, uh, saturated. Yeah, yeah, obviously, yeah, it, yeah. It has to be relevant. It has to be authentic. Has to have a story. Has to have a story. Yeah, hey, it's got to have a purpose. Here's one thing: because Sports Image did so well with um, Dale's Winston and his Olympic, Rusty Wallace asked us to help him in his 25th um, tribute. Mm-hmm. So we. Sports Image what became a distributor of Rusty Wallace's, and at that time we were only Dale Earnhardt Company. Right, that's right. Um, but we just we we knocked those two off so well. Um, his paint that was a big um, I don't know it was Rusty Wallace twenty fifth tribute or whatever it was we did that mm. as well. That's cool. Uh, listen, it's been fun. This it's been, been fun. Th- We've th- got to work and do. I mean, I you know thinking about Rusty Wallace, we got to work with Elvis Presley Enterprises. Yeah. on programs. Oh, that's right. I mean, we have got to do some cool stuff. You know, I got to go to Graceland with Rusty and, and on that program. I mean, there's the, the Warner Brothers relationships and things like that. And we've really worked with some amazing companies and corporations and people in the same business that has been really cool. For sure. Well, I have enjoyed this Yeah, two episodes fun. with Joe Mattis. Uh, it's exceeded all of my expectations. <laughs> and I hope that the listeners of the Dale Jr. Download um, – appreciate all that Joe has done, not just in these two episodes, but what he's been doing for, you know, two decades 
for them. Definitely and they didn't been even the backbone. Three decades, he says. Three Don't decades. <laughs> three decades. That's right. I forget. We're, we're, we're into our third decade here, yeah. aren't we? Um, Kelly, I, yeah. I, I, thank you also. Yeah, it's this been, has fun. been fun. Been real thank fun. You. All right, great. Great episode. Thanks for everyone joining us and listening. And uh, we'll see you soon for another Business of Motorsports here from the Bojangles studio. Man, I'm really excited to have Ally help us bring the guest segment every week. It's one of my favorite parts of the download. We get to talk to so many different people in racing, outside of racing. But everybody that comes in here, I want them to have had a good time. I want them to want to come back. I want them to feel like an ally to Dirty Mo Media. Thank you, Ally, for your continued support of the download and the entire Dirty Mo Media team. Check out Dirty Mo Media on Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram. <laughs>